2: Hello and welcome. It is Big Talk with Todd and Noah presented by Xfinity 10G Network episode number 13 and week number 13 of the college football season. Todd, it's been a quick and adventurous journey through this first season of a podcast, first season of calling Big Ten Saturday night together. We reach our final week of the regular season. I guess let's start with your reactions from week 12 and I guess, what are you excited about now as we get set for week 13? We'll kind of go through the whole gauntlet as
3: always.
4: Yeah, I, I guess my first couple of thoughts, I mean, what a, what a tragic injury for yeah. uh, Jordan Travis. You know, nobody likes to see that. I mean, I don't like to see anybody get hurt, but he was having a, a remarkable year, Florida State, uh, having a championship caliber season, you know, right in line for an ACC championship opportunity, a you know, play college football playoff opportunity, and uh, and then he goes down with a you know a very serious gruesome injury, and it's just a shame to, to see that happen and see his season come to an end like that. Um, so that that was probably the the biggest thing that stood out to me uh, over the weekend. Um, you know, I think that you know some of the teams. Uh, are continuing to flex their muscles as we get closer to the end teams like georgia i think ohio state is playing really well right now uh you know i think well, oregon and washington are kind of heading to another collision course uh in the pac 12 so it's it's and and we're at that point now where this coming weekend it's it's all the rivalry games right i mean just right down the list all across the country big time rivalry games uh that matter, even if it's not for championship implications, uh, they're just huge games all over the country. So very fun weekend coming up.
2: The, the Jordan Travis thing, I know that the the stakes for this one were a little bit higher, but it, it was weirdly reminiscent to the McKenzie Milton injury to me from a couple of years back yeah. where UCF is undefeated for the second consecutive year. They're coming down the stretch. They're finally getting some noise of, hey, yeah. this could be a playoff team if they just handle their business and dominate the rest of the way. And it was a gruesome injury and same type of deal for Jordan. So you feel for him, his college career, they, they have officially said is done and a heck of a college career. I mean, a, a heck yeah. of a job for, for everything that he did and helping to bring FSU back to prominence, which I think we both agree it's good for college yeah. football when the Seminoles are good, which they've been now the last two years.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he's battled injuries throughout his career, you know, and this was his final year and he was really kind of staying healthy and again, putting up great numbers and leading his team. And so now we'll see, I, I guess, Tate, what is it? Roadmaker or Roadmaker, it's however it's you say it. He's, he's the guy that'll, that'll step in. You know, he stepped in ironically last year uh, and led them to a win over Louisville. So that's, kind of who they're headed to meet in the ACC championship game. Um, And it'll be very interesting, two things. Number one, they got to play Florida first, which will not be easy. Number two, uh, they'll play Louisville here in Charlotte in the ACC championship game. And without Jordan Travis, that's not going to be easy because Louisville's playing great football right now. And then number three, uh, you know, what is the college football playoff committee? How are they going to evaluate Florida State? Uh, They've got to take into consideration um, that there is no Jordan Travis. Does that make them less competitive or not? Uh, It'll be very interesting to see even in this, you know, the ranking coming out this week, uh, because I could honestly see not just because of that. I could see Washington potentially jumping them uh, in this week's poll because. Washington had a huge win on the road in a tough place against a ranked Oregon State team, and and really the only significant win that Florida State has is goes all the way back to the beginning. Their win over LSU, who now has three losses, they may have the best player in the country, sure, <laughs> Daniels, but they have three losses on their resume.
2: Yeah, interesting situations moving forward, and we look back to last week. One team we know if they run the table, and certainly if they win their conference, will be in there is Georgia, two-time. Yeah champion, they look, to your point, dominant again in many facets of the game. The 38-10 win over number 21, Tennessee. They go undefeated in the SEC to this point again, and and now they have a chance to, if they can continue and if they can find a way past Alabama in the SEC championship game, give themselves a really, really impressive opportunity to three-peat, which we know is not an easy thing to do, certainly in today's college football landscape. But Carson Beck, I, I, we've re- we've we've hit on him a little bit. I don't think we've given him enough credit for how well he's played as the season has gone on. He's gotten better with each week. He looked really comfortable again.
4: Yeah, I mean he's I mean he's thrown for over three hundred yards just about every week. You know, I mean they've got good balance in their in their offense now. They've got Brock Bowers back in the mix, and so they're hitting on all cylinders. But Carson Beck has played outstanding all season long. And uh, it's been it's been impressive to see, you know, Mike Bobo doing a nice job with him, and uh, uh, you know, last two years they win a national championship with Stetson Bennett. And when he first started playing, the the idea was he was a game manager, you know, and then pretty soon you saw, well, wait a minute, this guy can make plays too, and he's got a little edge to him and all that. Carson Beck is is he's bigger, he's more athletic, he's got a better arm. I mean, he's a, he's this is a first-round draft pick potential quarterback in Carson Beck, who's playing lights out in his first year as a starter. So yeah, and Georgia, Georgia has been my number one team all along. You know, uh, yeah. I just I know they, you know, kind of flopped with with Ohio State there earlier in the in the first college football playoff ranking, but Georgia is legitimately the number one team in the nation right now.
2: Balanced, still showcasing a lot of what they have. But it's going to be a legitimate matchup in the SEC yeah. championship. We know who they're going to face. The question is whether or not Alabama will have a loss by that point. Again, a second loss. Because, look, they rolled over Chattanooga. I don't even want to focus on that game as much as what's in front of them right now. And you mentioned rivalry week. I'm not saying Auburn is what Auburn used to be. I'm not saying that they're going to play this incredible game. But it is the Iron Bowl. Oh, yeah. Weird things happen in the Iron Bowl. So, uh at least it was good to see that Alabama didn't look too far ahead and they just kind of handled their business against Chattanooga and Jalen Milro continue to play well. Now this is a big time test and not looking ahead again in front
4: of the SEC title. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the game is in Auburn, you know, so it'll and, and weird things have happened there in this it's rivalry right. game, you know. Uh thinking back to the kick six, but uh but beyond that, I mean, both Auburn and Alabama did the same thing last week. They scheduled teams that they were supposed to have an easy time with, right? Alabama did with Chattanooga. Auburn paid New Mexico State $1.85 million to come and play and then got beat by three touchdowns. So, I mean, but I I still think Auburn will play lights out. They'll play their best game of the year in this game because it means so much. But yeah. Alabama is the better football team, and Alabama should win the game. Uh, and I think that they are really hitting their stride. I think offensively, they're very comfortable with with Jalen Milrow. I think Nick Saban has done a wonderful job coaching this team this year and, you know, overcoming some of the things, the obstacles they've had to overcome, and their defense is rock solid. So I, I see them being able to go into Auburn and win this one and, and have a very legitimate chance of beating Georgia in the SEC championship game as well. That SEC
2: championship game has a chance to be really special. It'll be – High stakes, obviously, considering what the playoff picture could look like, and if Alabama can run the table, there's no reason that they won't find themselves in that top four at the end of the year. Just another shout-out to Missouri for yep. getting a, a tough win. Getting past Florida, Harrison Mevis feels like he's been there for 18 years at this point, but another clutch kick to win it, 33-31. I just, It's really just a shout-out to them for the season that they've had to put themselves in this position. They should be now inside the top 10 of the college football playoff ranking as it comes out this week, but an exciting season and, and reason for optimism moving forward for Mizzou.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, Brady Cook, their quarterback, has played really well, threw for three hundred and thirty-one yards in this game. And I mean the critical play, Florida's winning the game. You know, they're winning the game 31 to 30 and they have them stopped on a fourth and seventeen play. And Brady Cook is able to hit Luther Burden the third, who's an outstanding talented young receiver for like 27 yards two more completions they're in field goal range they kick the game winning field goal so uh, yeah Missouri is on quite a roll right now Uh, Brady Cook is playing great at quarterback and then uh, Cody Schrader ran for 148 yards again and so uh, he had a huge game against Tennessee last week in a big win so uh, this is a legitimate team Missouri Tigers
2: yes very much so very much so and we mentioned it last week but that game with Georgia was was legitimately close, was legitimately mm-hmm. competitive into the fourth quarter. You mentioned Jaden Daniels as maybe the best player in college football. You could argue a number of names. What you can't argue is that he's the most productive player right now. These last yeah. two weeks alone, certainly this week, he had eight total touchdowns in their right. game. I mean, eight total touchdowns. He had 413 passing yards. He had 916 or 96. I mean, 916 would have been even more impressive, but 96 rushing yards to go with it. So over 500 total yards and eight total touchdowns. I know that they've got three losses, and it'll be tough to overcome that for a, a Heisman candidate, but he's 100% going to be in New York. I think Absolutely. that there's no doubt
4: about that. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I really think he has a chance to win the award because think of it this way there's really no one he's competing with in that part of the, of the country, right? There's no player from Georgia that he's competing with. There's no player from Texas that he's competing with, you know, out West, you've got Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. Who are going to, they're going to go against each other as far as votes go. You know, I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. Is going to do well in the, in the Midwest. Uh, but, in the South, and the Southeast and Southwest, I mean, there's nobody that's going to attract more votes than than Jaden Daniels. And he's putting up numbers that are equal to or very similar to what Joe Burrow did in 2019 when he won the Honda Trophy. The difference was they were undefeated and ended up going on to win a national championship and an SEC championship before that. So that's the biggest difference and the biggest thing that would be holding Jaden Daniels back. But uh, he has had... a Really two remarkable years, but this year, very similar to Joe Burrow. Good his first year, and then lights out his second year, uh, leading the LSU Tigers.
2: We've already hit on Florida State and and what the Jordan Travis loss means for them in the college football playoff picture. You mentioned Louisville. uh, Just an unbelievable first year under Jeff Brom, and it's got to feel great for Jake Plummer, who follows him there to Mm -hmm. Louisville to basically, look, I'm not saying that he single-handedly is winning his team these games, but the way he played this past weekend in, in the game over Miami, and the win over Miami, I really thought was impressive to see him have that poise, to see it wasn't an easy victory like maybe some of the others this season have been, but to, to kind of pull it out and make the plays he did over 300 yards, three touchdowns through the air, they've got something special brewing over there in Kentucky right now.
4: Yeah, they really do, and you know, you you want to play your best down the stretch. You want to play your best down the stretch in a game. They outscored Miami 15 to three in the fourth quarter, you know, and kind of took control of that game on the road. Miami had that last ditch, you know, kind of hail Mary that was caught, but just short of the goal line could have had a chance to maybe tie the game. But, uh, but how about this for Jeff Brown back-to-back seasons? All right. Last year at Purdue, he leads them to the big 10 championship game in Indianapolis. First time in program history Comes to Louisville, his alma mater, and for the first time in Louisville's history, they're going to the ACC championship in his first year. So consecutive years taking two different teams to their uh, their conference championship games—pretty pretty impressive uh, for Jeff Brom.
2: I will I will repeat the story I have said on the podcast about Jeff Brom. You go back to that interview he did when he was in the XFL, and that's all you need to see, where he's like he's got a neck brace on after he went out for one game. He comes back before the next game, and they go, are you going to play today? And he goes, let me answer that question with my own two questions. One, is this or is this not the XFL? Yes, it is. Two, am I or am I not breathing right now? Yes, I am. Let's play some football. That's (laughs) a dude you want to play for. That's a dude that's going to inspire winning. That's a dude that continues to find ways to get it done. So congratulations to Louisville and to Jeff Brom and – path made even easier. I mean, they were going to clinch it regardless with the with a win, but UNC ends up losing to Clemson right. anyway. So the 31-20 Tigers victory just ensured that Louisville was going to get there. Uh, congratulations to the Cardinals for what they've done this year. We move over to the Pac-12, and you mentioned the two big names, obviously Penix and Knicks. Both of their teams win, but the stats looked a lot different this week. Mm-hmm. The Washington win is just impressive. To go to Corvallis, to go against the top right. 10, top 11 team, and beat them. They were up, I think it was 22-12 to 12 at one point, and then it. it the final score was 22-20. to 20. They were, it may have been 22-10, I, I don't remember. I think it, was it was 22-10. Yeah, I think it was, I, I was watching, it was 22-10. Uh, and then Oregon State makes their comeback a little bit, comeback bid towards the, the fourth quarter and down the stretch of the game. But Washington holds them off, and despite Michael Penix not having those eye-popping numbers, they keep winning and he keeps doing enough to get them wins. And that's really all that matters. Obviously long-term the Heisman's a different conversation, but for Washington right now, and for Kalen DeBoer who has just won at every stop he's been in his collegiate head coaching career, this is really shaping up to, this was the game. And we talked about it last week. They had to get past this game. They're going to have another game this week that they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have their hands full with the apple cup. I get that, but This was the game it felt like if they were going to stumble, it was going to be this past week, and they just found a way to win it. That's all that matters.
4: Yeah, they found a way to win. Uh, They've had a couple gritty, gutty wins like this on their resume. They've beaten a lot of ranked teams because the Pac-12 has been very strong this year. Uh, And their defense obviously has shown up when they've needed their defense to show up, you know. So I, I think that they're a really good football team. And like I said, I will not be surprised at all if they jump Florida State yeah. Uh, you know, they're both undefeated teams, but but right now Washington's overall body of work is more impressive than Florida State's.
2: On the other side with Oregon, it was just pure domination. I mean, this this game was over basically in the first quarter or towards the end of the first quarter. Oregon over Arizona State 49-13. Bone Nix had six touchdowns in the first half of yeah. the game. So the numbers were gaudy, over 400 yards passing, the six touchdowns Troy Franklin goes off and they just look like a well-oiled machine and quite honestly most of their games especially since the Washington game they have looked like a well-oiled machine and I think that's why people are so excited for what the Pac-12 championship could look like this year
4: yeah I think I think they're playing their best football again which is what you want to be doing at this time of the year I think George is playing their best football wouldn't you know it? Dan Lanning came from Georgia, kind of that same model, that same blueprint, the Alabama blueprint, the Georgia blueprint. And now he's trying to do the same thing at Oregon. I also think, you know, by him coming out so forcefully and and positively and denying and just saying he has no interest in, in going yeah. anywhere, he's not interested in Texas A&M, uh, just kind of fortifying his position there uh, in Eugene. But they are a really good football team. Bo Nix is playing you know, the best he's ever played in his career. And and right now, Oregon, I think, is playing better than anybody uh, out there in the Pac-12. Without a doubt. Uh, other than maybe Arizona, who just no, won their fifth game? Yeah. Jet, right. Jet Fish,
2: what a job he's done, the turnaround in his third year. Because I think that a lot of people were looking at it heading into last week saying, oh, that's a nice story. Arizona, you know, they've won a couple games. They've looked pretty good. But it's Utah, you know, the Utah's Utah. They're, they've been in right. the class of the Pac-12 the last couple of years. Well, Arizona blew their doors off. I mean, 42-18. was 28
4: nothing at one point? Yes. I mean, they, yes. they
2: jumped all over them. Completely. Yeah. It was complete yeah. and utter domination. And the Wildcats have gone from good story to, oh, no, no, good football team it, right. within a matter of a week, essentially.
4: Yeah. No, they're uh, – you're right. I mean, they're playing really good. I mean, they, you know, they had to go to a backup quarterback, and he's playing outstanding. Fafita, I believe, is his last name. Well, yeah. I don't what's know his first name, right or not?
2: But, yeah. What's uh, his first name though?
4: It's uh, Noah Fafita. Noah, come on, come on. Yeah, Noah Fafita. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, man.
2: Good oh yeah, guy. man. Yes, one hundred percent. But anyway,
4: they are they're playing outstanding, and and Jed Fish. You know, he's his name is coming up now on some of these yeah. other jobs that are that are available and and open. And uh, you know, he's got kind of a nice blend of college background, NFL background. Uh, he he might be a very attractive candidate, uh, but he's doing an outstanding job with the Arizona Wildcats right now.
2: Should be a lot of fun to see how that develops. That whole situation. They should jump into the top twenty of the college football playoff ranking. They're now eight and three. So another shout out goes to Zona for the way they played this year. We go to the to the Big 12, and really, it was mostly business as usual. Texas gets the win over Iowa State. wasn't completely dominant, but it was a win, 26-16. Oklahoma, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, they all pick up wins. But Texas leads the way. They're 7-1 in the conference. They're the only hope at this point after Oklahoma dropped that second game to Oklahoma State. They're the only hope to reach the college football playoff. And it's still within their grasp, but it feels like they're going to need some other things to happen for them in order to get there and leapfrog some of the teams in front of them.
4: Yeah. I mean, obviously they've got to take care of the business that's at hand, which is now they've got to beat Texas tech and then whoever they meet in the big 12 championship, they've got to win that ball game. And and if they win it convincingly, that would be even more helpful for them. But I want to say something that, that now this Texas win last week, uh, it made a bigger statement than maybe people might think you look mm-hmm. at the score and you say, well, they just beat Iowa state 26 to 16. Well, let consider a couple things in the last four visits to Ames, Texas has lost three times. Okay. They have not played well there. And, and Iowa state has kind of had their number, right? Uh, so they, they win and the the score was six to three Texas at halftime. And they end up winning 26 to 16. That's number one. Number two, Jonathan Brooks was having a great year as their running back. He gets hurt. A true freshman, CJ Baxter steps up to take his place. He carries it 20 times for 117 yards in his absence. Right. And Quinn Ewers is back now, you know, for the second week in a row healthy. So I think this Texas team is legit. And I think, you know, people have been wanting to say for the last couple of years, is Texas back is Texas back. I think, They are. I think they are now. I think they're really good on defense. They're really solid in their defensive front, their offensive line. They've got really good skill. And uh, I think Steve Sarkeesian has a championship-level team right now.
2: No doubt. They, They can beat anybody in the country. I think they proved that, obviously, with Alabama. They went right down the wire. I mean, they had Oklahoma in that Red River rivalry. They had them. And Oklahoma and Dylan Gabriel just put together an outstanding drive. He put together an outstanding capper to that drive. And so that's it's a fickle thing, college football. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's sure. how it is. You can have a championship team, and all it takes is one play, one drive to essentially derail that season. But they've taken care of what they've had to, to the tier to point. A really impressive game from C.J. Baxter. It feels like any running back they put in at this point is going to excel. I mean, just every yeah. guy they've had, if you just look at it, you know, you B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, and now you say, oh, well, Jonathan Brooks is tearing it up, and then he – goes down for the season and you get CJ Baxter in there and goes up for over 100. They just have a lot of talent in the backfield yeah. but with Ewers there he's a great leader. I think Sark to your point deserves a lot of credit for the job he's done because that's not an easy job to take right. because of the expectation yeah. and he's he's handled it to this yeah. point.
4: And and I think I think talent has has been there for a long time. Yes. You know uh, but I think what's different now is there is a physical and a mental toughness and a culture that is different. And I, I think Stark has finally got that part of it turned around. And and I don't know if you remember this, but I read some articles this week and kind of jogged my memory. But Ames was the place a couple of years ago when defensive line coach Bo Davis was recorded on the team bus. And kind of there were a couple players laughing after they just got their butts kicked by Iowa yeah. State. And he went off on a tirade about, you know, this is ridiculous. People laughing on the bus. We just got our butts kicked. If you're not going to do things the right way, just get off the bus now. Just leave. You know, be, don't be a part of this. <laughs> a lot more colorful language than I was using right there. <laughs> um, but that was kind of a turning point. You know, I mean, they now they still went out and lost to Kansas the next week at home. So it didn't happen overnight. But but that's what needed to change with Texas was was mentality and toughness and attitude. And I think that's, that's where they're different now.
2: It's fun to watch. has been fun to watch the resurgence just outside of some of the power schools. Game day gets to JMU. It was an unbelievable environment. And they go down and then they come back and they force overtime. You're like, wow, the Dukes are going to pull it off. They're going to stay unbeaten. But how is it always Appalachian State? Yeah. You know, like, why is it always Apple? Yeah. Why does anyone schedule that team if they don't have to? I know that this is different because it's it's, it's part of the deal. It's conference. I get that. Well, if you don't have to schedule App State, why right. are you scheduling them at this point?
4: Yeah. yeah. I, well, you know what? They're just good. I they mean, are. Good. Every I mean, they, year. They've been good for several years. They've had different coaches there. You know, Eli Drinkwitz, who's doing a great job right now at Missouri, he spent some time there as a head coach. I mean, they – they, they have had some really good coaches and really good football players and are not afraid to play anybody. And, you know, now the people signing the biggest relief are the NCAA because yeah. now they don't have to take any more questions or pressure about JMU not getting to a bowl game. So, um, but, but a heck of a football game.
2: Really fun. Yeah, really, really fun. Uh, Liberty does stay undefeated. They beat UMass, so we'll see if they can climb up the ranking
0: as well.
2: Let's go to our Big Ten roundup. We'll start with Michigan and Maryland, just because mm-hmm. that was the first game of the day. It's the thousandth victory for Michigan. It was probably the worst we've seen J.J. McCarthy play this season. He was uber-official all year. I mean, he was leading the country at one point in completion percentage. He was 12 of 23, and yeah. part of that is a credit to Maryland's defense, and especially their secondary. They've got They've got a lot of really good defensive backs. They've got a number of guys who are legitimate players, who will have a chance to play at the next level and play on Sundays. And this is after they had two guys already go to the NFL and be impact rookies this year from last year's team. Uh, But Michigan defensively, special teams, you know, they get two safeties in the game. Mikey Sainer still is an absolute stud. And he has two interceptions. And it felt like this was – you know, I'm not saying that the defense hasn't carried them this year, but this was one of the first times they truly helped win them a game oh, yeah. when they needed them the most.
4: Absolutely. I mean, you know, they have played great defense all season uh, and came up with big plays in this one. Now, Maryland moved the ball and, and scored points. And that's the most points they've given up. Yes. Uh, you know, Talia tungavaloa played very well, uh, had a couple critical errors, but, but overcame them and played well. A couple things about this game. First of all, Maryland's been a weird team, right? We saw them early; they handled their business against Charlotte, got down fourteen to nothing, came back one-handedly. Then we saw them again later. Uh, we saw them on film against Ohio State, um, and they played really well against Ohio State. Got some guys beat up, banged up. Played that Illinois game with, you know, without some of their key guys. Trying to get to the bye week, lost that game. Then they went in a real tailspin after that, right? And, you know, this is the same team in the same stadium that got beat 51-15 to by Penn State, who has not been real explosive on offense all year, but they were in that game. And then they come back and play. It looked like a completely different team against Michigan. So Maryland played the way I felt Maryland was capable of playing all yes. year against Michigan. All right. They, they gave them their best shot. Um, as far as J.J. McCarthy, the week before against Michigan, I mean, against Penn State, he only threw it eight times. Right. Seven completions, eight attempts. They ran the ball, ran, 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 ran. He also got banged up. It looked like a little bit in that game, whether it was an ankle, a knee, whatever it was. He was he didn't look 100 percent. Don't know if that still lingered when they played against Maryland. But you're right. He did not look sharp. He forced the ball. You know, he 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 looked a little bit like he did in the Bowling Green game where he threw three interceptions, where he's just trying too hard to force the ball. The, the, the interception he threw in the end zone was just, he hasn't done that since the Bowling Green game, you know, yeah. but he just kind of made some bad decisions, some bad throws. Uh, and I think my personal opinion is, I think he misses Jim Harbaugh on the sideline more than anybody else. I think it's their, their relationship, their rapport, even the way Jim Harbaugh kind of before the game pounds on his shoulder pads and his yeah. helmet just kind of but they have a friendship and a relationship and a and a, you know a cohesiveness that I think I think JJ really misses that um right now and and he's going to have to miss it again in the biggest game of the year coming up.
2: The other thing that he did miss, Roman Wilson goes out of the game right. middle of the first quarter, early of the first quarter. I mean that's his number 1 receiver. That's a right. guy that he has targeted early and often that's someone who has experience in big games you know Colston Loveland still made some good catches AJ Barner's coming on but but they had a go-to guy and when that go-to guy gets removed from a big game like that a game you have to win you have to look elsewhere a little bit I think that may be affected him as well Do you feel the same way?
4: yeah absolutely I mean he because he has so much confidence and trust in Roman Wilson particularly in critical situations and he's you know, Roman Wilson can take the top off the defense, yeah. you know. I mean, he's a threat. Now, the one guy I will say that I think he's gaining more confidence in that I think is going to, you know, he's he's starting to show up more and more making plays is that little Samaj Morgan, number 82. I think, I think he's a playmaker who here down the stretch of the season has been a really nice find for the Michigan offense.
2: Jerome Moore was gushing about his potential, but even his his current playmaking ability when we saw him a couple weeks ago. So interesting to see what he'll have as an impact for next week's big game against Ohio State, who just rolled over Minnesota. I mean, they just took control of that game early, never really let it go. Kyle McCord had 212 yards and two touchdowns. A quiet day for Marvin Harrison Jr., but it it almost speaks to, to him a little bit because he's never upset about whether he gets big numbers, small numbers, whether he has a major impact or not as big of an impact in the box score. His impact always felt on the field, and I think he truly, we've talked to him a couple times, he truly only cares about winning at the end of the day. So he had the touchdown, but only three catches in the 30 yards. Cade Stover had the other touchdown from McCord, and this was business as usual for the Buckeyes.
4: Yeah, and and again, we've... The, the constant theme, right? This time of year, you want to be playing your best football. I think Ohio State's playing their best football. This is the best version of Ohio State. Defensively, they've been good from start to finish, right? They've been very, very consistent on defense. Uh, now, Michigan will be the best team that they've played, obviously. The biggest challenge for them in Ann Arbor uh, for that Ohio State defense. But they have risen to the challenge all year. Uh, offensively, they're hitting their stride. Kyle McCord looks good. You know, when we had him against Michigan State, it's the best I'd seen him look in person or on film. Uh, you mentioned that uh, that Marvin didn't have a big game, but Emeka Abuka had his biggest game since September, right? Yeah. Five catches for 93 yards, so he's back in the fold. And Travion Henderson, another over 100-yard game. I think that's four times in, or three times in the last four weeks, whatever it is. I mean, he is such a difference maker in their offense. So I think they're hitting their stride offensively and will go into Ann Arbor uh, kind of as the best version of themselves that they've been all year.
2: Which is the biggest key. Meanwhile, for for Penn State, which is the other power of that Big Ten East, we were curious what they'd look like. They couldn't get the job done against those two teams. They couldn't get the job done against Michigan and Ohio State. And then you face a Rutgers team who's – quite frankly, a tough out. And we've seen that yeah. against the best teams in this conference. They gave Michigan a pretty good ride. They gave Ohio State a very good ride. And they gave Penn State a heck of a ride as well. Penn State, they would eventually pull away towards the, the latter stages of the game into the fourth quarter, 27-6. to six. But Drew Aller goes down, mm-hmm. potential right shoulder injury. Now, James Franklin has been pretty clear that he believes that Aller's going to be good to go for the game we'll do this week against Michigan State. But Bo Pribula, Pribula comes in, and Prabula does provide a little bit of a different look to this offense. With new offensive coordinator calling plays, or two of them calling plays for the first time this past week, and Prabula ran the ball effectively, that kind of dual option that they have with him looked interesting and different for the Nittany Lion offense. And so a lot of questions heading into this Week 13 game against Michigan State – but at the end of the day, they get the win. The defense still looks dominant. We kind of know what they look like as a team at this point, and they've got another chance at a New Year's Six Bowl when it's all said and done.
4: Yeah, you know, their, their defense – I mean, there are three outstanding defenses in the Big Ten, right? Actually, there's Nebraska is pretty good also, uh, you know, statistically-wise. But, but these three are elite defenses, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. And Penn State's defense, they get after the quarterback – you know, Chop Robinson missed a couple games after getting hurt uh, in that Michigan game. Uh, he's a dynamic player, got a huge hit on Gavin Wimsett, caused a fumble, scoop and score for Penn State. Um, you know, so, so their defense is, is legit. And offensively, you know, Rutgers has really good corners, a really good pass defense. And so Penn State relied on their running game, not just when Drew Aller went out. Uh, But they ran for over 230 yards in the ballgame. So they really committed to the run. uh, And there were lots of different people contributing to that. So so it was a good game. And, again, it was the first game without Mike Yersich as the offensive coordinator. So there was different play calling, different guys putting the plan together. James Franklin was involved in the quarterback meetings during the week. So a lot of change, but it was a good win against a, a pretty feisty Rutgers team.
2: You did forget one elite defense, though. What about the winner of the Big Ten West?
4: Oh, yes. Yeah, right, right. Another elite defense. Exactly yes. right, yeah.
2: And, and so the winner of the Big Ten West determined this week, Iowa. I mean, if Iowa was ever going to find a way to win the Big Ten West, I don't think I could pick a better final score than 15-13. Yeah. I mean, 15-13 over Illinois. I mean, you mentioned it last week. Illinois' offense had actually looked pretty good. The last couple of weeks, Iowa just completely stifles them. And it was a Caleb Johnson 30-yard touchdown run with 4.43 left to put them up top for good. We were watching the end of the game, and I think we both took the step back. I mean, the emotion from Brian Ferentz, the reaction from not just the coaching staff, but the players as well. I think the outpouring of support and love for him to, to get this victory and to win the conference, to win the division, I should say, and get to the conference championship game. That was really cool to see yeah. when, when this game yeah. finished though.
4: It, it really was And How about, how about the, the embrace with his dad? You know, yeah. how, how do you think Kirk Ferentz was feeling in that moment? I mean, you know, he didn't have to, he didn't make the decision about his son. It was people above him that made the decision about yeah. Brian Ferentz being done at the end of this year. And, uh, and he couldn't say anything. He had to kind of bite his lip and just keep, you know, keep his head down and keep working. They kept finding ways to win, and so to me, I mean, it was it was vindication of, to a certain extent, you know. Um, but Iowa, doggone it, they did it their way. You know, they won their way, and now, you know, they're not going to match up well against whoever you know gets there from from the Big Ten, on the other side from the East, whether it's Ohio State or Michigan. The last time they played one of those teams, a good team from the East, Penn State beat them in state college earlier this year, 31 to nothing. So, uh, so it's not a great favorable matchup for them looking ahead, but they deserve to win the Big Ten West and and, and a hearty congratulations to the Hawkeyes.
2: They do have Nebraska this week, and Iowa's at nine and two. They have a chance to be ten and two when the season's over. At the same time, we saw Nebraska, that defense is is almost equally as legit as what Iowa has. They've got legitimate dudes on that side of the ball, and Chubba Purdy looked pretty decent. Let's get to that game. Wisconsin and uh, Nebraska, 31-24, overtime win for Wisconsin. Happy for Luke Fickle. You could see and feel the emotion after the game when when Catherine was talking to him on the sideline. Braylon Allen, we didn't even think was going to play, and he finished with two touchdowns. I mean, that was a, a gutsy performance by him. Tanner Mordecai's playing through a lot of pain in his throwing hand after the broken hand, not even a month and a half ago, he has a screw in there. He's playing with padding on his hand. So that, that felt like Wisconsin football in the wind, but Chubba yeah. Purdy played very well. He had the two touchdowns in the first quarter. He didn't really make any critical mistakes. He did throw the interception on the last play of the game. It was inconsequential. It was a fourth and forever anyway. <laughs> so Technically it'll count as a turnover, but realistically that was a no turnover game for a Nebraska offense that couldn't stop turning the, the football over. I think we were really excited that it was just a really competitive game, a lot on the line with bowl eligibility. So big for Wisconsin. I think Nebraska's going to have a legitimate shot against Iowa next week. just yeah. based on What we saw as well.
4: Yeah, I do too. I, I really think they will have a shot at him because I think Brock, uh, I called him that in the game too. I think Chubba <laughs> Purdy, Chubba Purdy, uh, gives them a whole completely different look and feel offensively because he is a legit quarterback. He can throw the football, right? He can throw in their play action and their drop back stuff. But as we saw, he's in a he's a dynamic runner as well. Yeah. So to me, uh, I, I think that he gives them a great chance going forward for the rest of this year. You know, I think he's, he's more versatile and can throw the football better than, than, uh, uh, than Harburg. I think that right now he's got more confidence and more moxie to him than Jeff Sims, who just had such a tough year with the turnovers that I, you know, I don't know that I think he's gun shy a little bit, you know? So I think Purdy gives them the best chance going forward. You got that defense. They can run the football. They're good up front. Uh, I, I think they they should be, even though they lost, they should be very encouraged coming out of that game by what Purdy showed. Now with Wisconsin, You're right, Luke Fickle. Man, that was just a big sigh of relief because the expectations were huge and they've really let down here in the last few weeks. And, uh, you know, I think, I think, I don't think he thought Braylon Allen was going to play. I really don't. I think, I think, you know, they were thinking, look, I'm not going to play you if you're going to run like you did last week. Cautious, tentative. If it's bothering you, don't play. But, Iacomelli didn't play either. And he's got an oblique injury. So they were down to acre. You know, we, we thought that Yakimelli was going to still play. And I think Braylon Allen probably said, look, I, I'm ready to play. Let me play. And when he ran hard and ran with toughness, they just kept, kept playing. Him. And and I think he showed his coach something and I, he showed us something with his toughness in, in playing that way. And obviously, you know, Mordecai playing, with, with pain and and dealing with what he's dealing with. That was a gritty gutty win uh, and a much needed win for Wisconsin.
2: Yeah. I think a lot of people probably weren't paying attention to exactly the intricacies of what went on in the game, but everything you just mentioned, because it has been disappointing from a record standpoint for Luke Fickle this year. And I think a lot of the Wisconsin fan base has probably been underwhelmed with what they've seen in some ways. They've been playing for a chunk of the season without the starting quarterback who is highly experienced and highly talented that they expected to have, who's also a leader. He's soft-spoken, but his energy does permeate through the team. So right. they were missing him. Then, of course, Ches Malusi goes out a month into the season. They had this unbelievable one-two punch where both these running backs were rushing for over 100 yards, it felt like, every week. And they were dynamic because they did different things. So Malusi is gone. and And Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator, has told us, he was their most explosive player, their most explosive player. So he's out. Then Braylon Allen goes down. So now you don't even have any of those three. And those might have been the three most important players to their offense. Their defense was still playing well. They just couldn't generate enough points. So I, I understand where the frustrations are. I just feel like there were reasons for that frustration that aren't being talked about enough, that right. aren't being at least saying, all right, we get it. Maybe it's they should still keep winning. They should have beaten Indiana. They should have beaten Northwestern. I get all that they're playing without three of their most important offensive players. And even that Northwestern game, Tanner Mordecai comes back, this first game back with a screw in his hand, trying to learn how to grip the right. ball the right way, throw the ball the right way, he fumbled it when he was carrying it. To me, this showed that they still have that grit. They still have that intensity that they their coaching staff, and their players were looking for. I was really impressed by Wisconsin. And and
4: as I said, I was really impressed by both teams, honestly. Yeah. Well, and, and consider this also in that game saturday wisconsin played without their best deep threat wide receiver too bryson green was injured did not play in the game transfer from oklahoma state uh and then defensively you know luke said to us and they and and, uh told us all week we got to get off to a better start we got to play well early we got to have some good things happen early well they didn't play well early nebraska scored on their first possession you Know and 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 were they were having trouble stopping Nebraska and slowing them down. And Chubba Purdy got off to a fast start, so they didn't start fast, but they settled down defensively and ended yeah. up playing an outstanding game. And they played it for the most part, most of that game, without their best defensive player. I mean, Waller got hurt, uh, on, on making a tackle, you know, coming into the game, 95 tackles on the season, their leading tackler their vocal leader, the guy that called the whole team out, you know, the whole defense out uh, during the week. Now he's out of the game, so they had to play without him. And uh, I thought defensively, particularly in the second half and overtime, they played outstanding.
2: It will be interesting to see what Chubba Purdy looks like against that Iowa defense. One final shout-out from the Big Ten. We we mentioned at the end of the show last week, why why is David Braun not the the full time head coach at Northwestern, yet what are they waiting for? Well, it happened Thursday. They officially name him and he rewards them with bowl eligibility. And yeah, I mean, it's got to be one of the best stories in all of college football this yeah. year. They beat Purdue 23 15, six wins, six wins
4: for Northwestern. That's remarkable. It really is. I mean, I. You know, I was impressed with him when I sat down with him in Indianapolis at the Big Ten Media Day. And, uh, you know, he knew he was stepping into a very, very difficult situation. And, uh, you know, but he just really wanted to just take care of the guys, you know, take care of the guys on the team and in that locker room and, and really serve them. And uh, I mean, just just remarkable to see what they've been able to do
2: All right, let's look ahead. Big 10 matchups for this final regular season week, week 13. Uh, I, we mentioned Iowa travels to Nebraska. That's the other part. It is in Lincoln. And I do think that's going to play a role. You know, Matt Roll was, when we met with him last week, was very impressed with what the the fan base and the crowd and the support looks like in Nebraska. And we've we've done games there. It is legitimate. No matter if they're good or bad, they show up, they sell out. Memorial is legit. So, that'll be interesting. And then, you know, we we have our game, Penn State and Michigan State. So let's just quickly, any other final thoughts on Iowa and Nebraska? Like Iowa, yes, they can get to 10 wins. That does make a big difference. And New Year's Six Bowl potentially is still in the balance for them, certainly with the the Big Ten championship, if they can put together a nice showing there. But we kind of know what their fate is. You know, they're they're the winners of the Big Ten West. Nebraska is going to be playing incredibly hungry. And this is, The other thing that Matt Rule said to us, it's almost a mirror image of his previous two collegiate stops where they were 5-3 and three or 5-4, and four, and then they lose a couple games, they're 5-6, and six, they have to win that last game to get to bowl eligibility, and then they explode the next season because they've learned to win. It, it would be crazy if it happens again, but it just feels like Matt Rule has that infrastructure, and he's never freaking out. He's always calm. He's always feeling okay about where his team is. He said this is special that they get to play in these games that matter so much. And the other point he made, and he's right, and it's going to be the same case this week because Iowa doesn't blow anyone out, but they've been in every every game this year except for the Michigan game. They have that been in. At some point in the game, even Colorado week two, it looks like it's a, a way worse score than it actually – they were close for most of that game. That defense was in it the entire way. So I, I think that this is going to be a fun game to watch, a fun game to follow.
4: Yeah, I agree, and I think Nebraska has a great shot if they take care of the football, all right? If they take care of the football, you cannot turn the ball over like they've done for most of the season against a team like Iowa because they will not beat themselves. And then I think, you know, if they take care of the ball, then it simply comes down to who plays the best between Chepa Purdy and Deacon Hill because both teams have really good run defenses, and, and it's not going to be easy running the football Against either one of these two teams, and so the, whichever quarterback is most effective and most efficient and makes some big plays in the passing game, that's who's going to win the game.
2: No question. That one is on Black Friday, as is our game. Number twelve, Penn State, Michigan State, Ford Field. We've got you Saturday. I almost said Saturday night. It's Big Big Ten Friday night this year. Uh, with College Countdown starting 30 minutes before kickoff. This is similar in, in some ways. So let's just kind of go through what we expect some of the storylines to be. Penn state loses the two games to Michigan and Ohio state. Those are the two games they needed. They've beaten everybody else. Some of them dominant, some of them not as dominant, but they've gotten to where they expected to be. Otherwise they're not in two. They are. They have another chance to go 10 or 11 and two this year, based on how everything plays out. Drowler, we mentioned goes down last week in their game to Rutgers. Bo Perbula looked good when he came in. So, that's really what they're fighting. They're fighting for 10 wins in the regular season, potentially 11 wins again to go 11-2 and two for the second consecutive year or New Year's Six Bowl. That's what they're fighting for, and they're fighting to now develop potentially into next year, whether it's Drowler, whether it's Bo Perbula. One of those guys is going to have to look to to continue to get better in the final week of the season. On the other side, you have Michigan State, who just won their second game in the last three weeks. They beat Indiana on a fantastic final drive by – by Kaden Hauser, and he finds Malik Carr, who just put a bunch of guys basically on his back on the way to the end zone. Also, Montori Foster, one of the best touchdown catches we've seen all season. One-handed, spin away from a defender, shed another tackler into the end zone. But Hauser played well, career high in yardage last week, and 245 to be exact. And Harlan Barnett is still auditioning for the job. I mean, plain and simple, he told us two weeks ago, He wants the job. He wants to be the full-time head coach of Michigan State. He feels like if he had recruiting and a full-off season, things would look a little different. So two different kind of perspectives. We kind of know where one is. There's a lot of question marks on the other one. It's still a rivalry. It's the land-grant trophy, so one of the weirder trophies, which we'll get to in a second. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for the game. I think that it has a chance to be pretty fun, and and there's some question marks that we're going to get to answer.
4: Yeah, I, I think, you know, a couple things. First of all, you know, what is the status with Drew Aller? And, and is he 100%? Is he a little bit nicked up? Is it affecting him throwing the football this week? You know, we'll we'll find out soon enough. Uh, I would not be surprised, even if he's 100% healthy, I would not be surprised if we see a sprinkling of Bo Prabula yeah. in the offense because he gives them a different dynamic. I mean, he is a dynamic runner. And it makes the defense account for some things that you don't necessarily prepare for with Drew Aller. So I would not be surprised to see a little bit more sprinkling of him in uh, in this game. Then it's just a matter of, you know, what Penn State team, what's their mindset overall going to be when they show up? And I think I think it'll be good. I think they realize, look, we didn't get it done against Ohio State and Michigan. We still have a chance to finish as a top team, maybe a top 10 you know, in the final rankings, get to a great bowl game and, and just build, you know, forward for next year. So um, I, I really think that, that, that we'll see that from them. Um, Michigan state, you, know, you mentioned Harlan Barnett is playing for the job and, and playing, you know, is interviewing on, on the spot. So are all the players, you know, yeah. the players are putting stuff on tape and this is their last game, right? This is their last opportunity to go out and play the last opportunity to wear that jersey, to wear that helmet, to, to have that brotherhood and then that camaraderie. And, and we've been impressed, even though they haven't won uh, the games that we've done, we've been impressed at, at, at their closeness, you know, and their attitude and their how hard they play and how hard they practice. And so uh, this is their last time, their last time to go through it. And, you know, these guys, these players that have played in this season – and have gone through all the adversity from the coaching change to the losing, all that kind of stuff, they will be better human beings and better men down the road because of going through a season like this. But they do get one more opportunity to try to get a W.
2: Really well put, really well put. Excited to see how they handle themselves on Friday. So those two games on Friday, then five big 10 games on Saturday. Let's only really hit on the one that I think everybody's going to be watching. That's Michigan, Ohio state. I mean, the entire season has been building up to this. So now based on where the teams are right now, how do you see this game playing out?
4: <laughs> I I think it's going to be another great football game. You know, Michigan has won the last two years and they won actually, you know, kind of convincingly. Yeah. Uh, if they win this year, I don't think it's going to be that kind of game because I do think Ohio State, I think they're better on defense this year than they were the last two years. Uh, in in you know Jim Knowles' second year, I think this is the best defense that they've had, uh, and I think they're hitting their stride offensively. Uh, so, and I think I think Michigan has gotten by without Jim Harbaugh on the sideline these last two weeks at Penn State and at Maryland. Uh, being at home will help, but I do think they will miss him on the sidelines in this game, and uh, I, I will not be surprised if Ohio State doesn't go in there and 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 get the job done
2: one thing that we know we won't hear as much is that jim harbaugh's in the hotel watching now we might hear that he's at home watching yeah he won't (laughs) be in the hotel watching uh i'm i'm most curious first of all roman uh, roman wilson's got to be healthy Uh, if roman wilson's not healthy michigan's offense looks entirely different than what it looks like with him and the second the other
4: the other thing noah that that you Know and I, I haven't read any of the reports coming out of Ann Arbor yet, but Ladarius Henderson, yeah, their starting left tackle, did not play all right. So they started, uh, what's his name? Um, the kid who transferred from Stanford, Stanford who's yeah. back, uh, at, at, <laughs> his name's escaped me right now. Yeah, I've got anyway, it behind. Yes, anyway, he started at left tackle, he gets hurt. All right. So now to finish the game, they take Carson Barnhart, who's the right tackle, move him to left tackle and Trente Jones, who's like the, the extra offensive lineman plays right tackle. And so, uh, you know, that's not their best version. This is the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line the last two years. So I'm curious to see if Henderson was just held out for precaution, if he's going to be good to go, um, or, or what their offensive line looks like going into that game, because that is... You know, they, their offensive line and defensive line has been the reason they've beaten Ohio State the last two years. And, and it'll be interesting to see if they're at, at full strength or not. The
2: other main point for this game, the biggest games is when the stars tend to shine brightest. And I think everybody's been waiting. You know, a lot of people are saying, well, what is, what is Marvin Harrison? What, where is he in the Heisman ranking? You know, where is he in the best players in college football? A lot of people do believe that he is the best player in college football in terms of skill set, in terms of impact to the team. If he, you know, if he's that guy in many ways, and we believe he is, he'll have a major impact in this game. And if he does have a major impact in this game, and I'm talking eye-popping numbers, I'm talking crazy stats that Michigan hasn't allowed to anybody this year, does that change the way he's talked about for New York at the end of the year?
4: Well, I think so. I mean, because I'm sure there's voters like me, who you know they think, okay, how do these guys play in the biggest games, right? That that's what matters the most. And and this is there's no stage bigger than the Ohio State Michigan game. You know who else has that opportunity uh, to show up and, and play big is Blake Coram. Yeah. Remember, he didn't play in this game last year, and when they played two years ago when they won, he was kind of the the second guy that came in. Hassan Haskins was the the main guy. And Blake Corm was kind of the change up guy. Now he's he's the main guy. He's the bell cow. Did not play last year after getting hurt against Illinois. Played one play, carried the ball one time, you know, and then but he couldn't play. And so you know he's itching to play and to play well in his last game at the big house against Ohio State in this game.
2: It's gonna be a lot of fun. Can't wait for the game. That one, of course, is Saturday, and we will have all eyes on that one. Other games we won't really expand on, but Indiana and Purdue, both teams are 3-8, and eight. disappointing season for Purdue, but they finish up at home, Northwestern and Illinois. Illinois has a chance to get the bowl eligibility with a win. Wisconsin at Minnesota. Minnesota has a chance to get the bowl eligibility. Maryland at Rutgers, both teams already with six wins who will find their seventh as we get to our infinity? Big connections on and off the field. And we mentioned the land-grant trophy. I did this game last year. I saw the trophy. I was like, what is that thing? <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what it's supposed to be built at. But uh, the late Spartans head coach, George Pearls, and Joe Paterno had chatted with each other about playing in the final game of the season, trying to make it more than just a game, really as both were, were a little tired of the Ohio State and Michigan stuff. And that game overshadowing, which, look, in many ways it still does. But we get this on Black Friday. And this is the only game that's really going on. And so I think it's a lot of fun that it gets to be played and gets to kind of stand on its own. First game as conference opponents was 1993. They played 10 times before that, starting in 1914. Series is now 18-18-1, and so an even matchup. But I want to talk about the trophy itself, the land-grant trophy. And let's see if we can get a photo right there. All right, so here's what we got. It is three shelves, more than 50 pounds, several feet tall. I see a Nittany Lion. I see buildings. I see like a black and white photo, and I see some football player on top of it. It's bizarre. But honestly, seeing the players try to hoist it is maybe my favorite part after the victory.
4: Yeah, that's uh, (laughs) – I don't even know what more to say about that. I mean (laughs) – There is a lot going on on that trophy. I mean, I, you know, for me personally, I prefer like the Wisconsin, Minnesota deal, the ax, you know, I mean, it's painted on two different sides. It's just one thing, easy to carry, easy to hoist over your head. That, that, that there is a handful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
2: Big time. I, I would love to see them try to pass it around or do different things with it, but that's, it's a workout, you know. You can yeah. do squats with that, you could do back squats with that, you could do deadlifts with that thing. So we'll see who takes the land grand trophy, but we will be there at Ford Field in Detroit to watch it all unfold. Again, that I'm glad Friday. we're
4: gonna be I'm glad we're gonna be at Ford Field too, because <laughs> I did this game a couple years ago, 2019, in a blizzard in East Lance. Yeah. So, um in fact, I, it was there was so much snow on the field, and Penn State was in their all white uniforms. I mean, you oh, couldn't no. really see you couldn't see yard lines. You could barely see wide receivers at times. So it was uh, it was a crazy, crazy environment. Yeah, nobody really, el- nobody
2: else really thinks of that, of like, wow, the uniforms aren't really going to be good with the snow. Or <laughs> why are those numbers so small and bunched up on the jersey? Right. That's the that's the stuff that keeps us up at night and keeps yeah. the tie guy up at got, night yeah. and yeah. anybody else. So uh, we'll see how it all goes. All right, let's go to our Xfinity fan question from Madison. I believe we've got three locked and loaded. So let's hear our first.
0: I'm John. I am from Onalaska, Wisconsin. And Todd, do you think Wisconsin will win the Axe
4: game? Uh, Yes, I do think Wisconsin will win the Axe game. I I think that that win last week was very encouraging for them, very confidence-building for them. You know, Braylon Allen being back in the mix, if he can go again. Uh, Tanner Mordecai with another game under his belt. Uh, And – you know, Minnesota, they've got issues on offense. You know, they they don't have a complementary offense. Uh, I think they play good defense. They can run the football. They don't throw it real well. So I, I like Wisconsin going in and winning that game.
2: It would be the 22nd consecutive winning season for the Badgers. They just clinched their 22nd consecutive bowl season with a win last week. All right, let's go to question number two.
1: Hi, my name is Jake Garcia, and I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. And my question for Noah is, who do you think will make the college football playoff?
2: Jake Garcia. We got a full name. I love it. (laughs) Omaha is in the house. That's a really difficult question to answer because I think there are so many scenarios right now. You've got to believe that the winner of this Michigan-Ohio State game is likely going to win the Big Ten championship. They'll be in. You've got to imagine if Georgia runs the table and beats Alabama, they're a lock. In fact, I think Georgia in all likelihood is probably a lock regardless. Even if they did lose to Alabama in that, in that SEC championship game, just given what they've done the last two years, given the fact that they ran through the SEC undefeated in the regular season, they likely will get in. So at that point, now you probably have two SEC teams in with Alabama. If Georgia beats them, Alabama's out. Then you've got to believe that the winner of the Pac-12 championship is going to be in there. And there's a, an argument you could make for Washington, even if they did lose the Pac-12 championship, to get in there. What happens with Florida State? If they can't yeah. continue without Jordan Travis now, if they lose in the ACC championship game to Louisville, they're not going to get in there. So I think there's a lot of situations. Texas still has the outside chance if they were on the table. There, there are a lot of teams that are hoping. I think it's probably those top eight So you probably cut it off at where Alabama is. So you've got Alabama, Texas, Oregon, Washington, and the current top four, Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, and Florida State. So a lot of situations depending on the, the, as always, the conference championship games. But it does feel like those eight teams all have legitimate reason to believe that they can win the national championship this year, which is fun.
4: Yeah, it's going to be very, very exciting here down the stretch because I I would agree with you. I think for sure the winner of the Ohio State-Michigan game is in. For sure, the winner of the SEC championship game is in. If Oregon and Washington make it there unscathed, the winner of that game is in. So that's three. Now you've got one spot left and a lot of other scenarios to uh, who would get that fourth spot. And so, um, you know, arguments could be made for a lot of different people, very convincing arguments. And so the committee will have their work cut out for them if, if it plays out that way.
2: Florida state feels like the biggest swing to me and they, they not only have to win, but it feels like in some ways, certainly this week, if they can win convincingly, and that's not an easy task against Florida, that could go a long way for them. All right, we've got one final question. Let's get to that before we get out of here.
3: Hi, my name is Michaela and I'm from Lac, Wisconsin.
2: And my question for you is what's different about Madison this time around? Michaela. So Madison was fairly similar this time around. The biggest difference was that Wisconsin won the football game. That certainly yeah. helped. And the crowd was really into it. Senior night, that was the, the emotions flowing from there. Uh, we did go back to Mickey's, though. And this time we went to Mickey's with the entirety of the crew. And, Todd, you got to show off your acting chops a little bit. It was pretty impressive.
4: Yeah, that was fun. That, that was fun doing that. Did a little segment on Mickey's and uh, comparing it to the Big Ten West. And, uh so it was a lot of fun, yeah. The, and the food was delivered again as usual. Um, so had you know had the scrambler one day, had the liver and onions another day. So it was all good. I, I would say the other thing that was different. Uh, I think it was warmer. It this was. Time than we were there the first time. I mean, we were there the end, you know, middle of November, and it was balmy and seasonal there in Madison. So I'll take that.
2: Yeah, I, I felt like an idiot because I brought my big
4: coat and I'm wearing oh, yeah, yeah, wear it around. Yeah. yeah, I was wearing it around. And I'm like, what? This
2: is fun. This is normal. This is like fall weather. What's going on here? Uh, we did get Gotham Bagel. Shout out to Joe Thomas, the Hall of Famer, and and his business partner Joey for providing our entire crew with a breakfast on saturday morning that was awesome yep ty guy and i went to go pick them up and it was uh, a joyous time over there they were awesome in there we we met another guy named joe so we have we know for a fact there are three people associated with the bagel plates joe joe and joey (laughs) sounds like a ripoff of ed ed and eddie so that was good uh but yeah it was i'm with you it was deceptively warm Mm -hmm. and we had a good time we stayed at a different hotel as well so i guess that was different but Otherwise, Madison's great. I'll go there all the time. I love that fun place. And I've heard, you know, I still have so many other places that I want to hit just because I've gotten more recommendation. You know, I still want to go to Dottie. So that'll happen if I do get to Madison at some point during the hoop season. All right. Any other games you want to hit on before we get out of here? Obviously,
4: Rivalry Week, we hit on a bunch of them. But anything else you want to shout out? No, I don't think. I, I mean, you know, again, I, I cannot wait to to do our game. I'm kind of excited. We're doing it on Friday because I really want to sit there and uh, you know lock watch in. the Ohio State Michigan game and just kind of lock in all day Saturday and, and and pick and choose the games that I want to that I want to watch because I I love that game. I love the Iron Bowl. You know, I've had a chance to do several Iron Bowls, uh, and that's you know that that's good drama, good TV. So look forward to the whole day of college football.
2: Oh, it's going to be several hours of uninterrupted yes, college football. Yeah. The only
4: interruption will be when I get up to go get something to eat. That'll be <laughs> yeah. it when I go to the refrigerator. So nice. Like, All right. Yeah. Maybe your leftover liver and onions.
2: All right, that'll do it for us. Episode number 13. Thanks for tuning in. Big Talk with Todd and Noah, presented by Xfinity 10G Network. Make sure to download and subscribe on the NBC Sports YouTube page or wherever you get your audio podcasts. And for one final time next week, we will talk to you again. Yep.
4: Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving.